If you have ever wondered what life would be like if you could quit your job and create your very own photography or video production business, then you're in the right place. This is Reinvention Studio Lab, and you're about to get plugged in with Scott Markowitz, the founder of Ryan and Scott Media, and your guide to starting your very own creative services business. So, lock in your earbuds, breathe in some positivity, and step into the lab, where you're free to experiment with reinventing yourself, however you want. Hello guys, this is Scott Markowitz with Reinvention Studio Lab, and uh, welcome to the podcast. Get those earbuds comfortable and screwed in tight because we are talking about you today. This is the podcast for you. If you're a creative person who finds yourself in some kind of corporate job that you want to escape, you're in some kind of career path that you don't like, you are doing something, getting paid pretty good for it, but it's not really your cup of tea. So you want to start your own creative services business. Maybe you want to be a photographer. Maybe you want to open up a video studio. Maybe you want to start a graphic design or motion design studio or visual effects house. I speak mostly from my experience coming from a business owner that has started a photography and video business. But the things that we will be talking about in Reinvention Studio Lab will definitely apply to any kind of creative services business that you want to start. Okay. So this is the first episode of Reinvention Studio Lab. And what I wanted to talk about today is the advantages of starting your own business. Let's get that out of the way, because if you're just daydreaming and you're like, oh, man, it'd be cool if I was my own boss. Let's break that down. OK, let's like really examine that, because I'm going to be honest, it's not for everybody. Even if you dream of starting your own business and you, uh, you have visions of walking into the office and telling your boss that you quit and you, you've had it up to your eyeballs with their nonsense and you just want to storm out. Not so fast, cowboy. Okay. Let's actually examine what it's like to be a studio business. And guys, let me tell you that I am coming from the place where I have felt all those feelings. I've been through all that. In fact, I was a TV and film editor for a very long, healthy career. I worked with some of the largest companies in the world in terms of advertising agencies, uh, political consulting firms, PR firms, you name it. I've also done a lot of work on major motion pictures and broadcast television. So I've had a pretty full career and I've worked for some big companies in the role of being a, a senior editor. I've worked for an advertising agency as the director of post-production and I've felt all those things. I've been like, oh my gosh, this is like stifling. They don't understand me creatively. They don't get it. They do things inefficiently. I hate the way that they run their everyday workflow. It's driving me nuts. You name it. I've seen it. I've felt it almost on a daily basis. At some points in my career, I dreamt, I just daydreamed the good daydream, walking into the boss's office and telling them to shove it up sideways. But most of the time I came to realize that, that probably was not a good idea. Okay. Let's talk about that. Being your own boss does have some advantages. So we're going to list those first because that's a short list. <laughs> just being honest here. Yes. Being your own boss, you can do things the way that you want to do them. 
in most cases, when you first start out, you're going to be the only say. You're going to be the only employee. You're going to be the only one getting the work and the only one fulfilling the work. So you get to do things exactly the way you want. And that is phenomenal, especially for most creative people. You have a very strong sense of how you want your process to, to be done. And so that's a point of contention for a lot of people that work for a corporation or for some other creative entity. They want to be able to take the reins of their own process. For me, anyway, the number one reason why I always wanted to start my own studio, I wanted to just be done with having to argue and having to beg sometimes to do things the way I wanted them done. And so that's been a huge advantage for me as a business owner. What's another thing? Can I name another advantage? I get to set my own hours. That's huge too. So when I was working for uh, say Alchemy X, that's one of the integrated media companies that I worked for. They, at one point were one of the largest media companies on the East coast. And I was one of their senior editors and it was tough because they were dealing with some very high end clients who had very high demands of, of that company as a service provider. So that trickled down to the editors and the other creative staff, of course. And it was very difficult to be able to say to my spouse, Hey, Tina, I know you want me home at five o'clock on Tuesday. I will be able to be in the car sitting next to you Tuesday, five o'clock guaranteed. No, that was not often possible. Like I would have to go through some severe hoops to be able to secure such a promise for my wife. And like over time that became a real challenge for me too. being your own boss, you get to set your own hours. Now, of course, keep in mind, you still have to fulfill all your work. So that might mean transposing some of your hours and being perfectly honest, it will mean that like when you first get started, you're definitely going to be putting in a lot of time. That freedom really translates at the beginning into, I can carve out like a three hour slot whenever I want. So I can be present with my wife or with my children or whomever that needs me. And I should also caution that you can create that space for yourself, but very often times you're going to need to have some reasonable amount of heads up. So like I always tell my wife, if you can tell me at least the week before that you want me available at a certain time, that's ideal. Yes, I can just drop things on a dime if I'm not working directly with a client and I will do that if something comes up, but I still like to have that heads up. So, you know, this next advantage that I would like to mention is directly tied to that last one. Like I'm always available when my family has something planned holidays celebrations, like any kind of achievements that we want to celebrate. I am available now as my own business owner, I can make the time for that. And that's directly related to being able to set my own hours. The other huge advantage, this is one of those things that like is going to be filed under advantage, but it's also going to be filed under disadvantage. And we'll talk more about the disadvantage later, but I control how much money I make. Let me say that again, as a business owner, I control how much money I make. Now, the amount of money I make is directly related to the amount of value I provide in the world. We're going to talk more about this 
in upcoming episodes, like in a very deep way, but you get to, to control how much value you're putting out into the world. Now, this is a skill. This is not something that's going to just magically become available to you when you quit your job. You have to really understand the steps and the processes by which value is created. And again, we're going to talk about this in upcoming episodes, and I really can't wait to talk about this because the value that we generate as creative people can be tremendous, but it's also not necessarily easy. We're going to get into that, but it's a huge advantage. The more value you put out into the world, the more money you're going to make. And notice, please be very careful. I did not say that the more you work and the harder you work and the more hours you work, the more money you're going to make because value has more to do with just the amount of hours that you spend. The time spent is a part of it. It's a critical portion of how much value that you can create. What are the results that you're going to be able to provide your clientele? If the results are worth more to them, then they're going to pay you more. So don't just sell a headshot, sell much more engagement on LinkedIn than you're currently getting. Don't just sell a real estate MLS listing photograph session, sell a marketing solution for a real estate agent. This for me has been huge. And like I, when I, when I last broke out into owning my own company, I decided to, to start out offering services to real estate agents and brokers. That was the market that I was in. And we'll talk more about you know, how I came to have my own studio in upcoming episodes. But when I was talking to real estate agents, it was never like, oh man, your photographs look terrible, which they did, <laughs> which they really did. It was astonishing to me. It still is astonishing to me how bad photographs are like in the uh, local MLS listings. They're crooked, they're low resolution, they're all jaggedy, full of JPEG damage. They look awful. And, and these are sometimes for homes that are selling for like half a million dollars or more. And they still, and the agents are still using terrible photography to try to sell it. But I didn't approach it that way. When I talked to a new agent that I hadn't met before, what I talked about was, look, you might be doing really well. Now the market might be like super easy for you right now, but it's worth investing in yourself so that when the market does the inevitable turn, you're going to be able to stand out from other agents because you've got this bank of marketing material that makes you look professional. And believe me, like when people look side by side, agent a has photographs that are crooked and poorly lit and full of grain. And they look just awful versus realtor B has photos that look like they came out of a magazine. When you're in a tight market and you're a buyer now, or trying to sell your home now, you're going to talk a little bit more to the folks with more professional looking marketing material. You're going to lean in more and listen more closely to the folks that have demonstrated professional grade service. So if you're that realtor and you have photographs that look like they came out of a magazine, you're, you've got a head start. That was the discussion I was having with my realtors. It's the value. And so like I was coming into a market that had a lot of players in it. There was a lot of competition. I'm in Naples, Florida, by the way. 
And so I got into the business at the peak of the pandemic lockdown. And there were a lot of people moving to Florida at the time. So like it was a decent time to get into the market for me. And that's why I chose to serve realtors and brokers with photography. But the thing is, even though there were a lot of other people doing photography and a lot of them were selling their photography for cheap too. Like, I'm not even joking. Like some of them, some people were racing to the bottom. We can do 35 MLS photographs for $75. And if you're one of those people, stop it. Seriously, like you're worth more than that. I'm not saying it to, to curb my competition. I'm saying it for your sake. Stop it. Don't do that. If you're making a profit at $75, then you're not doing much service. You're not doing much good for your clients either. So like your growth potential is being stymied, even if you're making a profit. So I hope you hear that. You want to, when you're building your creative service, you want growth to be like part of the equation. So if you're selling your stuff for super dirt cheap, you're really limiting your own growth potential. I would highly encourage you to begin thinking a little bit differently. Okay, let's talk about the disadvantages of owning your own business. There's no way to like really sugarcoat this or get around this. But when you open up your own studio, you will begin to experience immense debilitating pressure. And that's not to say that you're going to fall prey to it or you're going to give into it or you're going to fail or not succeed or any of those things. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that no matter who you are, no matter how successful you've been, no matter how big of a deal you were when you were like work for the, that corporate entity that you wanted to quit so desperately, no matter what, you will go through moments of panic, of, oh my God, what have I done? You're going to go through waves of just debilitating, immense anxiety and pressure. And you're going to, you're going to start sweating profusely. If you're me from like every pore of your body and it'll pass. Maybe there have been a couple of days where that feeling just seemed to persist all day long. Most of the time I was able to recognize that was just a thought. That's not necessarily the truth. And there's work to be done that I can leverage right? To get out of that situation, out of that fear, out of that place of worry, but you will experience it. It will become a larger part of your life. So be aware of that. When you're your own business owner, all of a sudden, you know, like every single win is because of you, but every single failure is your fault. We're going to talk a lot more about whose fault it is and all those things in upcoming podcasts. And here's a hint. It doesn't matter whose fault things are. That's not useful to dwell on that, but we'll talk more about that later. The truth is, and the fact is anything that goes south with your business when you're in charge is your fault. And just begin to let that sink in for a while. Okay. Let that begin to penetrate your thick creative skull because it's a good thing to know, because if you start, and like I said, we're going to talk about this in other episodes, but if you start assigning blame, oh, this is the economy's fault, or, oh, this is like my competitor's fault, or, oh, this is that dumb client's fault, you are just setting yourself up for more failure. 
If you take responsibility, however, then you can start addressing what went wrong and you can start taking steps to correct it in the future and you can win. Okay. Again, that's a bigger topic. We'll talk more about that. The other disadvantage is that the fiscal responsibility is solely on your shoulders. It's very similar to the, that first thing that we talked about feeling the pressure, but this is actually the responsibility I'm talking about specifically fiscally, you are going to have to contribute to your household. You're going to have to pay bills. You're going to have to do the things that you were able to do when you had a job, but you're going to have to be consistently able to do that. So that's a huge disadvantage versus being somebody's employee, you know, where you can rely on that paycheck every week or every other week. And you know exactly how much income you're going to be making. Not so much when you are running your own creative studio. Just the stress that you experience in your body is a disadvantage. When things pop up, when problems occur, you're going to start feeling stress. And so there's some health consequences that you may need to keep into account. Let me tell you, for me, all of a sudden... I'm having discussions with my doctor. Hey, your blood pressure is a little high. You might need to do something about that. <laughs> and I'm like, really? My blood pressure is high? Really? Okay. It's only, it's only that I've got five projects due today and you know, I don't have enough time to do it. And then I had to come into the doctor's office and, and deal with you. And I don't have time for this. Really? My blood pressure is high. You don't say. Not only that, but in my case, I gained like 15 pounds because I was working so many hours and all of a sudden I'm not able to go to the gym. That's a great thing about being an employee and you, you clock out at a certain time and you're like, I'm going to go to the gym after that. And you can make that a routine. That's when, you, when I first started my creative studio, that was difficult. Routine became just working from sunrise to sunset. No, wait. It became working from sun, yeah, from sunrise to sunset and beyond. I am in the state of Florida where it's sunny a lot of the time, but yeah, it's like more like working 16 hour days every day for the first several months as I got things going. Routine went out the door. My health, my physical health just was not something I could even think about for a while. There are some health consequences to consider. And then like, your task list becomes broader and deeper when you're your own boss. When you're running your own creative studio, you have to recognize that you're not going to be spending all of your time in your business doing the fun, creative stuff. You're not going to be shooting your camera off the whole time. You're not going to be setting up the lights and shooting some cool video the whole time. And in some cases, you're probably going to be wearing all the creative hats too. So you're going to be the writer, the director, the producer, the cinematographer, the lighting director, the director, the editor, post-production supervisor, visual effects supervisor, motion designer, sound mixer, and yeah, sound designer. If that sounds like a lot of hats, it is. And you're going to be likely putting them all on in sequence to get your projects done. So that's something to really seriously consider like if you're not comfortable being a jack of all trades then you're gonna you're gonna have to do things differently than i did okay and we're going to talk more about that in upcoming episodes too like the different kinds of video businesses like i chose not to do hollywood style production 
which is like what most of the industry is doing. And that's definitely like a very valuable service to be able to provide. And that's awesome. And that that's fun to do. But for me, that wasn't what that wasn't the, the need that I was trying to fulfill with my production company. Again, we'll talk much more about this in upcoming episodes, but felt like I was going to be much more useful to people if I could help them create smaller budget videos that fulfilled like more needs along the sales path that they had the sales journey that they had for their clientele. So not just like big signature videos or explainer videos about a company that a lot of production companies are trying to sell, but like more just down and dirty, just trying to help guide their customers through the journey of going from curious about a product or service to like becoming a customer, all the steps that can happen in between those two things. There's a lot of things that can happen. There's a lot of points of contact that a company might have with somebody who is a potential customer of theirs. And video can serve a lot of different purposes. Actually down in the trenches with the salespeople, helping them and giving them support. And smaller budget videos is what I like to do because I happen to like wearing all those hats. And then, then there's the tasks that have nothing to do with the creative, but are absolutely necessary. Like I've mentioned, like you're helping your clients do sales. Well, you've got to do your own sales. You've got to create clients of your own. How do you do that? That takes time. That takes effort. That takes, we're going to learn later in other episodes, that takes a lot of face-to-face -face conversations. One thing you're going to hear me say a lot during the course of the podcast is that no sale happens outside of a conversation. And I don't care what you're selling or what your services or whatever, that's true for every single sale on the planet. Like some of these conversations can be automated in the case of the kinds of services that I do in my company, the initial contact can be automated, but for very few cases will a potential client decide to actually hire me unless there's some kind of direct interaction with me. Your task list opens you up to some problems if you are not used to talking to people. It opens you up to some problems if you're not used to dealing with numbers because now you're your own accountant, possibly. And even if you're not an accountant, you need to be able to know enough to interact with an accountant. You're going to have to figure out like how your sales pipeline works and how you funnel people from learning about your company into becoming paid customers. And it's just, a, it's a lot, guys. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Yes, you can hire somebody to do this. These things like an accountant or a sales director or like a project manager, those are expenses. So you need to be generating enough money on a regular basis to be able to bring them in. And in my case, I don't really want that. I never really set out to, to be a video production company or a photography studio that, that had a lot of employees. I utilize freelance help whenever I can. And that's my preference because I don't want the responsibility of having employees just yet. And that might change. Hey, that's another advantage. I can change the scope and the direction of my business anytime I want to. It's ill-advised to change that stuff often, but you have the right to do it as the business owner. And the other disadvantage I want to talk about to owning your own company is that the, and I'm talking specifically to folks who are creative, generally creative people 
are especially people like me. I'm talking generally, but like I'm talking specifically about me, <laughs> yeah, like the type of creative person that I am. Yeah, the uh, the tendency of my personality is definitely like more introvert. Like I am way more comfortable just sitting in my own thoughts than I am talking to other people. Now I am lucky in the sense that like, it's easy for me to lean in flex into the space of extroversion. It's not hard for me from a skill set standpoint to, to like step in front of a big group of people and talk. It's not hard for me to step into a networking situation and strike up a conversation with somebody, but that might be a challenge for you. That might be a concern because like I said earlier, no, no sale happens outside of a conversation. So if you don't like dealing with people, it's a consideration for sure. You might have a little bit more difficulty. And if you really just want to be alone with your work, you're probably not going to make it as a studio owner. You're just probably better off maybe being a freelancer. So yeah, that, that's all stuff that I think should give you pause. I'm not saying it's going to like discourage you from wanting to start your own business. And I hope it doesn't, but it should definitely give you pause. It should definitely let you understand that it's not all just, I get to be my own boss. I get to do whatever I want. There's a lot of other stuff that needs to be considered. And the other thing that you should start considering right now before you march into your boss's office and give your two weeks notice is who do you want to be serving? If you don't really have a clear understanding of the type of clientele that you want to work with, and if you don't know how specifically you want to help them and serve them, I'm going to be very honest with you. Then you probably should not open up your own creative services business because that's what a business is all about. Guys, a business is not about hanging your shingle up and bringing customers in and just collecting money. I, Hey, I recognize that, that is true for some people. My, my daughter, for example, uh, she's getting married soon and, and she had a very unfortunate interaction with a dressmaker and they tried to swindle her to be frank. My daughter gave them like every opportunity to make things right. And they just, they wanted to continue trying to take advantage of her and her naivete. And so they made it very clear that they're in business really just for the buck. And guys, if you just want to make a quick buck or whatever, I'm not the guy to help you. I'm just not. The, the reason that I started my studio was because I really wanted to help folks that had a problem. I wanted to help those realtors that didn't know how to tell a story with their MLS listing. They didn't know how to make themselves stand out from a crowd. And I was very deliberate. Let me explain this, like in the sense that yes, any realtor that calls me up, I'll have a conversation with them. And yes, any realtor who wants to hire me to do an MLS listing initially, I'll give them a shot. I'll go out and shoot a house listing for them. But my mindset is that like they're being interviewed by me. Do I want to work with this person again? And my criteria is this person somebody who stands out and like they are looking out for their clients are they upstanding citizens in their business world are they good people like that that oh let me oh let me stop right there when i say good people the fact is i don't 
in my heart of hearts, I don't believe there's any such thing as good people or bad people, like in the sense that most people think of good and bad. I think that every human being is just simply a person. I don't believe in labeling good, bad, evil, saint, whatever. I, do, I don't think that's a thing. My experience is that people are just here on earth doing the best they can. So like when I say good person, you know, like I, I want to work with good realtors. What I'm really saying is these are people who decide to do with their energy, positive, encouraging things. Okay. That's what I mean. They don't decide to, to do things, to try to take advantage of others. They don't do things to, to do stuff to ever belittle others. I don't like to work with bigots or racists and that, Hey, as a business owner, that's my prerogative. And I will stick to that. If there's the first whiff of racism or elitism or anything like that, I won't work with them again. Now, if that sounds appealing to you, I'll be crystal clear and honest about this. One of the main things I hated about working at a big company was that I had no control over the end clientele. And very often I would find myself sitting in an edit room with people that I just could not bear their negative energy. I'm a very empathic person. And so that just sucked the life out of me. Like being with somebody who was super negative or somebody that devalued others, that was one of the main reasons why ultimately I had to quit corporate. To me, that's the main reason why I decided I wanted to start my own company was so that I could be much more deliberate about who I served. So that's what I would like you to start thinking about. Who do you wish to serve? How do you wish to serve them? What's the big value that you're going to offer them? Because your value that you offer is going to be translated into the money that you make. And if you still want a studio, if you still want to start your own photography business, if you still are thinking about starting up that video production house, wow, good for you. You have found the reinvention studio lab. And this is the place my friends where you can come and start to orchestrate your reinvention. We are going to get into the nitty gritty of how do you shift your mindset from being that employee into being that business owner? How do you reinvent yourself from having a routine that you could rely on to not knowing what's around the corner? How do you build up that resilience? How do you become that self leader that can face any situation, figure out the best course of action, and then execute on it. If you feel like that's going to be helpful to you, then stick around for more episodes. This is reinvention studio lab. I'm Scott Markowitz. And in our next episode, we're going to be talking about what's involved with quitting your job to start a creative services business. We're going to go into the details of what that looks like and some of the mistakes I made when I did it. All right, guys, if you're still here again, congratulations. You just might be a fellow photo fiend and I deeply appreciate you. I deeply thank you for sticking around. All right, guys, this is Scott Markowitz. Cheers to you. And one more thing, guys, I have been called to support you in your desire to start your own creative services business. 
And I would love to have your support in return right now. Please go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review and rate the podcast. Uh, Your honest opinion is greatly appreciated. And another amazing way you can help support the podcast is by going to reinventionstudiolab.com slash help. There you will find some of the resources that I use to keep myself performing at my peak and feeling my best. There are some affiliations that I have with the sponsors on that link. So if you were to make a purchase or subscribe to some of those links, then I will get a nice little kickback to help support the podcast. And I really appreciate it. So again, head over to reinventionstudiolab.com slash health, and you will find some ways to keep yourself feeling your best and performing at your peak. All right, guys, thank you, and we'll see you next time. Cheers. Cheers.